We're in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, we're seeing contrast between the righteous and the wicked, and so let's get right into it. Verse four, that's where we're gonna pick it up. Let's look at their work, and what we're seeing here is the lazy versus the diligent. Verse four says, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. He wants, but he doesn't get. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So get this down, because this is solid truth. Lazy people want a lot, but they have little. Did you get that? Lazy people want a lot, but they have little. And there's no surprise there. This concept keeps coming up in Proverbs. And so the principle, turn to your neighbor and tell them the principle, don't be a bum. Get a job, bum, right? Proverbs chapter 20, verse four says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Now you get that, do you get the imagery there? It's harvest time, this is a time of plenty and this guy's begging because he has nothing. Why does he have nothing? Well, it was too hard. Back when he should have been working, it was just too hard, it was too uncomfortable. He's not plowing because it's too cold. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the slothful, or the next two words, killeth him. What the bum wants, what the slothful person wants, kills him. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. So here's the danger, get this down. Some people do what they want to. Man, be careful if your want to is not set to biblical Christianity, uh, a godly work ethic. Some people, they don't want to work, so they don't want to work. They do what they want to. And if you do what you want to, when what you want is you want it lazy, well, then you might just starve to death. That's the warning of Scripture. And you see this principle over and over again, Proverbs 21, 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. If you're too busy being comfortable, coddling yourself, consuming upon yourself, uh, you're going to suffer want. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that in it, if any would not work, neither should he eat. Man, that's strong, isn't it? You don't, you're too good to have a job? Well, then you're probably too good for potatoes, you know? I mean, if you think you're just too, too important to just work a nine to five, well, then maybe you don't need a, you don't need a sandwich when it's sandwich time. If you don't work, well then don't be sure that you're gonna eat. And again, we're not talking about a a, a catastrophe. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about hardships that all of God's people will face from time to time. So help us God by his grace. Our brothers and sisters aren't gonna go hungry. But if you are the church mooch, well we might let your growling belly educate you in terms of what your priorities need to be. Do you see the difference? Life happens, right? Life, there can be a catastrophe that can take place and it's the responsibility of the brethren to, to, to meet the lack, to make up the difference. But when somebody refuses to be in line, be in submission to the life that God calls them to, well then there's consequences for that. And the scripture is very clear. Now watch the soul of the diligent, the diligent. They're careful, they're making sure they're doing the things that produce the results that they desire. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So see some people, and this would be the spiritual principle, one of them that you could take from this. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty-five: the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth 
shall be watered also himself. So the person who is not stingy with the work of their hands, well, God's gonna bless them. Uh, If you're a waterer, well, you will be watered. Well, Ephesians 5, water is a picture of the word. Uh, You see this person who is toiling in a garden. They're liberal with the produce. They're liberal in terms of giving out of what they have. Well, God's gonna bless them. But don't miss the picture that, that some people are properly feeding their soul. If you're feeding regularly in the word of God, then you have something to give to those that ask of you. You've actually got a a fit word in the proper season. Uh, You are being fed in the word of God and so you're able to be liberal. Why? Because you have a soul uh, that's made fat. Verse five, we see the honest versus the wicked. A righteous man hateth lying but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Uh, Notice the contrast here. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man's cool with it, and it's just flat gross. It's loathsome, and it will bring him to shame. Okay, so the wicked are okay with lying. They're okay with doing it, and a great example would be Judas. He lied about ministry resource priorities, if you'll remember the, the story of the ointment. But he also lied with a kiss. I mean, talk about a betrayer. Lying with a kiss. And Jesus calls him out for what he is in John chapter six and verse 70. Have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Okay, so here is Judas who is a liar. He's one of the famous liars in scripture. And the Bible calls him a devil. Well, no wonder he's of his father, the devil. The lust of his father, that's what he does. And look at how that's described in John chapter eight and verse 44. The, the father of the liar, well he was a murderer from the beginning. And look at the description, and bode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay, so what is this liar? The righteous man hates it, but the wicked's cool with it, and he is, the Bible says he's loathsome. Loathsome means repulsive. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like a snake. There was a snake in the garden, and instead of being repulsed as would be proper, uh, they're listening to wisdom from the snake, and it's all lies, and it results in death and condemnation. There is no hope for a liar. Have you ever lied? Man, a lie ought to make you grateful for Calvary, huh? I'm so grateful that my lies have been washed away by the blood of Christ. Listen to this, Revelation 22, verse 14. Uh, There are those that do his commandments, they're blessed. They have a right to the tree of life. They enter in through the gates into the city. But without, okay, outside the new Jerusalem, outside heaven's gates, what are there? Dogs, sorcerers, warmongers, murderers, adulterers, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Well, Praise the Lord for Calvary because that's not me anymore. Uh, Did you eat that cookie? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Well, that's not not who I am. That's who I was in the flesh, but that's not who I am in Christ. See, I used to be of my father the devil. Ephesians 2 says that we, in in time past, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the lusts of our father the devil the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's where we had our life in times past. That's, that's how we live, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. But that's not us anymore. God, in his rich mercy and in his grace, he saved us. We are born again and, and we're saved by grace through faith. Verse 10 says, now we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So since that is not us anymore, if we're born again, right, our old man is crucified with Christ, and now for us to live is Christ himself. We're crucified with Christ, we're buried with Christ, Romans 6, and we're also risen with Christ. Like we saw this last Sunday, Christ is risen indeed. Amen, I am risen with Christ. So for me to live is Christ. Is everybody with me? You don't seem excited about that. If you're born again, that's true of you too. You're risen with Christ. So lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds, Colossians 3.9. Agree with David, Psalms 119, 163. I hate and abhor lying, but I love the book. But thy law do I love. Sanctify them, how? It's through God's truth. Well, what is God's truth? Well, thy word is truth. Praise the Lord. Okay, verse six. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. So here we see a protection versus an overthrow. Righteousness keepeth him. What keeps him? What keeps this man? Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Psalms 119 verse one starts this way. He says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So notice that this is, that this is what righteousness and wickedness do to their bearer. If the bearer is a bearer of righteousness, well, it's gonna, it's gonna keep him. Why? He's upright in the way. If he's overthrown, right, wickedness overthrows him because he's not keeping, he's not walking in the law of the Lord, he's walking in the wisdom of his flesh. So righteousness is what keeps this, 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 this person on track. Okay, that's your next blank. Righteousness is what keeps this person on track. Now, I am so glad because I know that my righteousnesses all of them are as filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. So what I'm super grateful for is the imputed righteousness of Christ. To know that my righteousness is not my own, but it's literally the righteousness of Christ. Ha, huh. okay, what a relief. Now that's where I wanna live, right? If Christ is my righteousness, I wanna live there. Why would I settle for righteousnesses that are as filthy rags? Okay, so I'll give you an example of this. I like clean sheets. I like clean sheets and I cannot lie. You other brothers may like living in filth, but I, I like clean sheets, okay? So, Earl, Earl is my dog, one of my dogs. Earl likes clean sheets too. And unfortunately, he got a little bit spoiled as he was coming up, because he's so stinking cute, man. I mean, the dog's just adorable, and you know, and there's the new factor, and where a dog would never be allowed in our bed, somehow Earl got away with it. And you can't undo it. And for whatever reason, that little jerk, uh, we have a little weird relationship in the Miles house. I'm the alpha, Earl gets that, okay? I'm the pack lead. 
what I say goes, and Earl knows it to the core of his being. But inside, he wishes that I would just be gone forever <laughs> so that he could be pack alpha. Earl is convinced that I, if I was just out of the way, he could rule from on high. And the proof of that is the minute I get out of bed and I leave, <laughs> Earl somehow magically appears in my spot so not only, is in, not only is he on my bed, but he's not satisfied with being at the foot of the bed where every dog should, that gets the bed privileges should go. No, guess where he wants to lay? On my pillow, <laughs> that little jerk. And then now, the idea of Earl, you know what Earl does. Earl goes outside to go to the bathroom and he doesn't wipe, he doesn't clean up, he doesn't do anything, and he's on my pillow! with his filthy Earl dog body, just make it like, I, and I know you can't see it, but it's there. It's there, Earl urine and Earl feces, and my wife acts like it's not happening. But he's there, he's on my pillow, begging for me to end his little canine life is what he's doing, okay? So what I have to do whenever I get up is I have to make sure the bed cover, you know, that, like, that cover that nobody actually really uses, that's got to be on there and the whole thing's got to cover my pillow and I, got, like, I literally got to make sure that I've done my part to make sure that Earl cannot defile my, what was I talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, righteousnesses as filthy rags, okay. My point with all of this is that pillow looks clean to me, but it's got Earl P and feces on it, and you can't tell me any different. You say, it's fine, it's clean, look at it. No, it's not. It's been defiled by, a, by an outside trash bag busting, nasty little leg humping dog. It's been defiled, and I can't sleep on it anymore. Does this make sense? It's gross. Can't happen, not in this lifetime. You say, I look pretty good. No, look at it from the master's perspective. Earl doesn't think he's soiling my bed, but he is. His best effort, I mean, he's like, it's, Earl's like, I'd make a good husband, man. We just get this guy out of the way. I leave and he's just making goo-goo eyes at Cheryl. It's me and you, babe. <laughs> Defiling my pill. There's nothing cool about it. Man, we're running out of time, I can't. I, you get the point. You say, my righteousnesses, they're pretty good, they look pretty fine. No, they're vile. From God's perspective, come on. I am so grateful that I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. In him, zero lies, zero guile, just 100% full on God honesty, God perfection, God holiness, and now when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Uh, the pillows are clean through and through, man. I'm so grateful for the imputed righteousness of Christ. You ought to just spend time in Romans chapter four. Spend time there. Man, get it in your soul. It is imputed to us, the righteousness of Christ. Now, in contrast, okay, the wicked, wickedness seems right, right? It seems like the right way in the moment of serving self, but that's the undoing of the wicked. Wickedness overthroweth the sinner. And we give you the cross-references there. Verse seven, so righteousness and wickedness, right, they impact the outcome of the bearer. Verse seven says, there is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. 
So the wise hold to true value. They don't get tripped up. The foolish, by contrast, are pretentious, and so they fail. In other words, get it this way. Some can do nothing even though they have everything. I mean, they're so rich, and their life is still worthless. And then other people can do so much with so little. How do they do that? There are rich people, very wealthy in this world, who live a miserable, worthless life. They've got a lot of stuff. And then on the other hand, you've got people who have very little, but they have this life of great value, and they're full of joy and happiness. How does that happen? You've got great examples of miserable men, Saul and Haman. We keep picking on Haman in Proverbs, but he's just too easy. But Saul, both these guys, they're rich, and if you read their stories, they can't sleep. Why? Well, they've got wicked desires. They got wicked, they're jealous over the wrong people. They're, 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 they're offended and hurt over God's blessing over other people. They're jealous over other people. I mean, they're, they're the richest people in their territory, and they're miserable. Look at the example of Nebuchadnezzar. Very rich, yet cut down in his prime, literally living like an animal. In contrast, you've got blessed believers, Paul, and you read about him in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, we'll just skip down to, the, to, to where the rubber meets the road in verse 9. Um, he says, uh, here's how we minister. I mean, here's Paul over and over again in prison for the gospel, and, and look at his take on it. As unknown yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, and having nothing yet possessing all things. He had very little in his life, and very little even in his ministry, and yet he's so rich. Think about the judgment seat of Christ for the Apostle Paul. He doesn't want to do over, does he? Maybe that first part before Christ. You got another example of the faithful widow. Christ brags on her in Mark chapter 12. This poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. They cast, verse 44, out of their, right in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all she had, even all her living. She had very little, but she had the admiration and praise of the creator. Do you see the massive magnitude of her wealth? Here's someone in this moment has nothing now in this world. She gives it all, but she has the admiration, the respect, the praise of Christ himself. What more could you want in this life than to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant from the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you see it? Do you see the contrast? This is critical. Verse eight, the ransom of a life's man, of man's life are his riches but the poor heareth not rebuke. You know, riches can bring you trouble. In a lot of countries, uh, if they find out you got money, you may disappear, and then a note will come back. In contrast, nobody kidnaps the poor, because you can't get blood out of a turnip. Uh, another way to look at verse eight is the rich can typically buy their way out of trouble. But here's the problem. Some poor people think that the money is the, you know, money's the answer to everything, and they don't hear what verse seven said. Right? They think money fixes everything. They're not listening. Let me give you a counterbalance verse to, to, to 13.8. It'd be Proverbs 10.15. We've already seen this. The rich man's wealth is a strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Um, and we, uh, we spent some time on that back in chapter 10. Okay, verse nine, the light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Have you ever had somebody tell you, I'm gonna knock your, 
your, your socks off, or I'm gonna put your lights out. Um, maybe that was from another era. I'm gonna knock your lights out. I've, I've heard that before. Well, we know where we're gonna run in scripture for this. Psalms 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, so what is that light? We know from scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, that Christ is the light of the world. So it's the person of Christ. You see him as the creator. In him was John chapter one, verse four, life. In him was life and the life was the light of men, so the light of the person of Christ, but also the light of the word of Christ. And so what do we do, right? What do we do with that light? And that's always the question you know, that we wanna ask ourselves. Uh, we wanna keep this before ourselves. Does the word of Christ, the person of Christ, rejoice as our light? You see how verse nine is phrased? The light of the righteous rejoiceth. Is Christ rejoicing over your life because you're doing well and you're taking heed to that lamp, right? That light that's lighting your path, that light that's showing the, the, the way of your feet. Is the word of Christ, the person of Christ, rejoicing over your life? Um, typically, in the life of the Laodicean believer, the light isn't rejoicing, it's, um, it's muffled mumbling. Uh, it wants to rejoice, it'd love to, but it can't, it can't, it can't because it's under a bushel. It's under, those, it's under that top bed covering. You're covering it like your pillow. Um, too many of God's people are hiding that light. I mean, that's the question on, in Matthew 5. You know, do men light a candle and put it under a, a bushel? No, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. They put it on a candlestick, that's what they do. You don't do that. Mark 4.21, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not set on a candlestick? I think a lot of times the light of God, the light of the person of God, the light of Christ's word, um, we muffle it. So it's, it, it, instead of rejoicing, it's going, <laughs> it's like uh, it's been held captive. Now let's talk about the lamp of the wicked. Uh, those lights get put out. Um, Lucifer, Leviathan's light, gets put out. You read about that in Job 41. When he sneezes, he sneezes fire, man. I mean, Lucifer is the light bearer. And, and just re I give you just an excerpt, but check out Job 41. God's basically saying, I'm putting your lights out. Matthew 6, beware. If the light of the body is the eye, Right, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Job, 48, or Job 18, verse five says the same thing. Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out. The spark of his fire shall not shine. Proverbs twenty twenty: Whoso curseth his father or mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. 2420, the candle of the wicked shall be put out. Okay, two more verses real quick. Verse 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Okay, anytime there's discord, 
the root problem there is pride. You show me discord, pride is at the root of that problem. So this is the command of the church. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't be full of pride, be full of humility. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now notice the value that's revealed here is that the wise take advice. So in other words, they're not full of pride, they're full of humility. Humility is their root value. Okay, if there's discord, pride is the root problem, but with the well-advised is wisdom. For the, for the humble, um, they, will, they will take counsel, they will listen, they will be advised. So humility is the root value. This then, verse 10 implies that if a man is well-advised, he's not gonna be full of pride. Why, because pride people know everything, they're not gonna listen, and so they will not hear. At the end of all of it is this warning, chapter 15, verse 25, the Bible says the Lord will destroy the house of the, prou- of the proud. 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then here's the companion verse to chapter 13, verse 10. It's Proverbs 28, 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. So if somebody's always stirring up trouble, counselors, what's the root issue? Got a pride problem. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Um, those relationships work out well. Verse 11, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. So this is an incredible principle. If wealth is gotten through fraud, fraud, fraud. if wealth is gotten through fraud, then that wealth doesn't hold the same value to somebody who works hard for it, right? It doesn't have the value that it should. And so they don't hang on to that wealth because they didn't work hard for it. In other words, they don't understand the value of wealth. They don't get it. They didn't work hard for it, and so they don't value it like they should. Now, a hard worker, in contrast, will hang on to their money. And when they do spend it, they spend it wisely. They'll spend it in ways that actually improve their lives. So again, you know, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Put your, put your hand to the plow, don't look back, right? Work hard for the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it how? One bunnet? Did, did that make it into your notes? Ecclesiastes 9.10, did, did that make it in your notes? How do you do it, how do you work when you're working? Heartily, right? Do it with all thy might, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Man, you wanna work hard while you can work hard. <laughs> Amen? Because it's, it, it's, it, it, it's a value, right? There's a blessing in it. <sighs> We're, it's 8.30. It's 8.29. Do we have time to close and in, in, in worship? If you're in a bind with the kids, let's not leave the kids' ministry hanging, so you guys be sensitive to that. But let's close praising the Lord. Uh, we had a great worship set tonight. Uh, let's continue. Um, Brian, is that cool? Can I put you to work one more time? Okay, let's do this. Let's stand, let's worship. Um, we're gonna be dismissed, but let's, let's do it praising, giving praise to the Lord. Father, we love you, and God, thank you for Proverbs. Thank you for just the, the principle after principle, precept after precept. There's practical wisdom that we would do well to take heed unto. 
Uh, it is light shining in the darkness, and, and Lord, we would do well to take heed, to receive it. Uh, Lord, it's, it's part, it's, it's designed to be treasure in the earth of our lives, in these earthen vessels. Lord, help us to be humble, broken people so that that light can shine. We want the light of your word rejoicing over us. Lord, I pray right now, particularly, for relationships at MBT. And where there is strife, whether it's between a husband and wife or a brother and sister or a brother and sister in Christ, uh, Lord, if you're worth being right with, the people that Christ shed his blood to purchase back from sin, rebellion, wickedness, they're worth being right with. And as a father, we know that your heart is grieved when, when we justify our bad attitude toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I know their arguments. Well, you don't understand what they did or what they said or what. Father, if Christ can say, forgive them for they know not what they do. After we put him on a cross, then we can seek re- reconciliation with our brothers and sisters. Uh, at, the, at the roots of strife, it's always pride. God, help us to humble ourselves before you first and before one another. Help us whenever we go to reconcile problems, not to go accusing, but to go saying, I want you in my life, brother. I want you in my life, sister. Um, but this thing happened and I've been so hurt and, and I want us to work this out. Lord, help us to see that, and, and Lord, you gotta build this in us that we really do desire our brothers and sisters in our life, that we really, our hearts really do yearn on them, that we actually want them. And Lord, I know there are always people that we have to, they refuse to walk orderly, they're disorderly, they cause riot, they cause ruin, and, and some people are tares, and some people need to be marked according to scripture, that you, you tell us we're not supposed to listen to them. Um, but Lord, I just pray that nobody would get away with thinking that they're not wanted. And, um, and so Lord, please, I beg your grace over my brothers and sisters to work out relationships How horrible to get to the judgment seat and find out uh, so much was lost because we couldn't couldn't get right with a brother or sister and we kept the Holy Spirit grieved in our life and and so a lot of fruit was lost. It was never realized because we weren't vessels of honor. We weren't people that you could use And, and so God, please help us to get over our pride and over ourselves and and Lord, help me. There's got to be in a room this big, somebody's grinding some axe against me and, and, uh, and I'm too stupid to even know it. And, and, and Lord, if, if by your grace they'd come and want to work it out, uh, just help me to be humble and to receive them. And I, I won't lie, but, but we ought to be able to work out. We ought to be able to work it out. And, and Lord, I just pray that this would be the case for everyone. To the extent that we're not unified, the Holy Spirit's grieved and Satan is laughing at us. Don't let him get away with that. Don't let anybody not engage because they think their problem is bigger than the body or bigger than their brother or sister or whatever. Lord, don't let Satan get away with, with, with doing us that way, that we'd be justified in, in despising a brother or feeling like we're not wanted. It's just all lies out of the pit of hell and, and, and your people should be smarter than that, but Lord, forgive us. You know, we got a lot of stupid brothers and sisters and, and uh, you love them and, and Lord, we're some of them. <laughs> Help us, Lord. You're worth being right with. 
our brothers and sisters are worth being right with. Help us to die to pride and in humility um, be fitly joined to this body. Seek reconciliation. Lord, help us to be well advised. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.